today, uh, we are speaking of journeys. And every once in a while, we have a, uh, a Sunday that we stop and focus on the stories of individuals and families in our congregation and in our community. Journeys are not from, uh, unfamiliar to us. In the Bible, we have the, we've read about the journey of Abraham and the journey of Jacob, the journey of Moses from Egypt into Israel. We've heard about the story and journey of Ruth as she supports her mother-in-law and finds her way back to Israel. In Jesus's time, Jesus shared his ministry in journey, walking throughout the land from the Sea of Galilee and even on the Sea of Galilee into Jerusalem. And Paul himself had journeys, journeys at Ephesus and Corinth and various places that we hear. And as we hear these stories of the journeys, one thing to be sure, that none of these people or individuals walked alone, and none of them worked, walked without God. So the three people that you will hear from today, I'll introduce uh, each of them before they talk, uh, will talk to you about their journey, a, a unique journey in, in, in their own life. This first one I want to share with you because uh, I, I want to share how we, how we met, really. Um, you may not know this, but there's a Twitterverse out there. And there's a community of people who share stories by tweets. Um, sometimes they're extended tweets and sometimes they're very short. But I ran across this one from someone I had been following who had some very um, uh, insightful thoughts. Um, I knew that she had been um, attending seminary at some, some place, but I'd never really researched or looked to see where she was. And, and one day I, I saw that uh, she had posted that she was that she and her husband were looking for a new church. And I thought, huh. So I clicked on the, the profile and saw that she was from DFW. That's what we call, and that's what Diana Butler Bass called this morning, spiritual serendipity. So I sent a direct message and said, hey, I don't know where you are in DFW, but I want to invite you to Arapahoe and let you know that uh, we would love to talk with you, and I think that you might find comfort here with some of the things that you have been uh, sharing in your, in your story. And she replied very quickly, Kate did, that's funny, we were going to visit this week, but we got sick. Our story is her story, her story is our story, so I want you to hear now from Kate Boyd. Um, our story of coming to Arapaho actually begins far beyond a Twitter direct message. I would trace it probably back years and years. Um, whenever I was in a country on the other side of the world and I was standing in this one-room church, it's got a thatched roof and it's on top of a mountain in South Asia. And it was there that I met a man that everyone in the church called Baba, which means grandpa. And months before I ever met Baba, his family had actually left him to die by the river because he, his body was wasting away from illness and his sickness just became a burden that they couldn't bear anymore, financially, emotionally, physically. So they did what they thought was their last best option and they um, 
you know, took him somewhere peaceful where he could, where he could die. And as he lay there waiting for death, one of the people from this church finds him and they bring him to the church and they clean him up and they give him a place to rest and a place to stay and there's no expectation of being repaid or no expectation of doing anything or requirements. They just cared for him. When I met Baba, we were sitting on the floor in this church. I was asking him a whole bunch of questions because that was my job. And he looks at me and he goes, this church is everything to me. And it was sort of in that moment that um, I realized like this church had become his new family and because of this family, he was a part of God's family by following Jesus now. And as I reflected on my own experience, in churches, I was thinking about all of the ways in which I had been taught, whether by word or by deed, this sort of soul's first priority, you know, ethic, way of going throughout the world. And I wondered then how many people I had sort of like left behind me or not served the best that I could because I had cared or prioritized one part of their personhood over their entire being. And then I think I also sort of realized how shallow some of our community was because I didn't feel like church was our family in the way that Baba felt like his church was family. And so when I got home, I started unpacking my suitcase and my thoughts with my husband Daniel and it was then that we really started this journey of rethinking what church was, what church could be, um, and what it would mean to follow Jesus with our hands as much as our heads and our hearts. So throughout the years since then, and it's been a good while, we've shifted a little bit in some of our theology, but the bigger shifts happened for us in the physical and lived implications of the things that we believe. What does it look like, and how does that affect the world around us and the people within that world? And as that started shifting, we kind of realized that the evangelical spaces we were in had a lot of like asterisks with fine print next to the ways in which people could be loved or served. Um, you're probably familiar with some of them. Like, um, you know, of course, we love our singles and our empty nesters and our unconventional families, but really the nuclear family is kind of it, and so we're going to design everything in our church around that. Or, of course, we love and support women and their gifts as long as they know where they're allowed to do their thing and not do their thing. Um, we love LGBTQIA plus people, right? but they basically have to change a lot about who they are to fully participate in what we're doing here. Or the most recent one, of course we'll talk about racial injustice, right? But we have to be really careful about it so that people don't just leave. Um, and so with every asterisk that we started to notice, it sort of felt like a box, right? A wall of a box that we just didn't fit in anymore. And it made it hard, really, really hard, for us to connect with people when you don't feel like you fit or have some of the same values and priorities. Um, and so by the time we left, I feel like I could count on one hand the number of people that I felt really, really comfortable um, being my full self with, and that feels like a problem. Um, so when the pandemic began, like everybody, our church life was completely turned upside down. We went from being in the church building a couple of times a week to trying to remember to tune in online while life felt very scary and uncertain and swirly all around us in the background. And it was in that season that we kind of realized that we didn't have 
the kind of community that we needed. Um, so we actually sort of leaned into this Bible group, Bible study group that we had formed with some friends um, long before the pandemic started, and they functionally became our church for two years. And it was in this season as well that I started seminary, and I met a lot of church people, and we're in a lot of church spaces where I realized that maybe I didn't have to push through or hold back on some of the things about me or what I believe or how I practice my faith. And so we sort of realized that we had been missing this deep kind of community, and more importantly, that these kind of communities actually existed in the world. That just like wasn't our experience. And so as things opened up a little um, in the pandemic, we decided we were ready to find a community in which we could fully participate and that we could invite our friends to and know that they would be welcomed without reservation, with no asterisks applied. And so in the midst of that search, we, we had a short list and um, you know, we searched a, a few places before coming in here, but coming in here felt like a really, like a breath of fresh air to us. Um, and earlier this year, when Pastor Scott was talking about the vision for the kind of community that Arapahoe would be, one that's connected to the community, one that loves and serves without expectation or transaction, and one that is committed to growing in Christ and in service together, we, we knew that that was the kind of community we wanted to be a part of, too. And every day since then that we've been in here, we've seen all of you live that out in the way that you practice your faith as well. And so... We know that this is a place that loves God, loves its neighbors, and loves us without exception or agenda, and we're really glad to call it home. And it's because of you guys that I feel like I know a little bit more about how Baba felt all those years ago. That's one journey on how someone found us. Uh, but never leaving God in the process. I hope you heard that, that God was along the way. One thing that Kate mentioned was that um, Arapaho and you individually um, are involved in the community. Recently, our conference, our North Texas conference, has asked certain churches to be a pilot church for what's known as the journal to Journey Towards Racial Justice. And we uh, willingly accepted that. We just finished our pilot year with that. And one thing that we found very exciting is that we had a liaison, and a, so, uh, I won't call it a mentor, but certainly a friend um, who joined us from a conference level to help us help share a little bit. His name is Fred Marsh, and I asked him to uh, come today and talk a little bit about that specific journey. So Fred, uh, why don't, no, 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 you come here. Why don't you talk a little bit about uh, what brought you, like what your role was and who you are. Okay. Good morning, Arapahoe. Uh, sometimes you have to be careful when you ask about going on a journey. Uh, remember, we were worshiping here about a year ago, and I looked at this stage, and I said, this is a nice stage to be on, because I used to do some public speaking. And then one Sunday, Reverend Scott called me up to the stage and says, can you help me move this podium here? <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> But uh, for about 14 years, I was uh, in corporate America, and one of the things they asked me to do in terms of a, a lot of other additional responsibilities was to direct uh, diversity and inclusion for the organization I was with. And I was with State Farm Insurance for 35 years, and we had moved here, and uh, we had uh, joined Hamilton Park United Methodist Church under Reverend Ron Henderson. And so I was kind of grousing about, you know, I had all this work to do, and they wanted me to 
to direct diversity and inclusion for the organization. And when I retired, uh, Reverend Henderson knew that I had done that, and when the conference asked about this program, Reverend Henderson said, you might want to contact this guy who has been doing that for a period of time. And uh, Reverend Andy Lewis contacted me and said, would you be willing to work with us uh, on this journey toward a racial justice project that we are uh, initiating with the conference? I prayed about it, and I said, sure. You know, it was a journey I had been on, but you know, it's one thing to do it in corporate America. It's another thing to do it for our, our Lord and Savior. And so I was willing to do this, and they gave me this great, great title called Journey Companion. So I'm a journey companion for Arapahoe United Methodist Church. I have no authority to implement or direct. My role was to work with Reverend Sweeney in a small group where we talked about the journey uh, and how we get there, where we were, where we are, where we need to go. And one of the things in the training and orientation that we did with the uh, conference is, is to understand that my role is to help with vital conversations, to talk about uh, um, inequities within industries, within the church, uh, and the journey that the church needs to be on in terms of racial justice and racial inequities. So one thing, you, you were very involved the whole year, so I thought maybe you could touch on some of the things that, um, that you learned or that were special to you during that time. Well, we had small group meetings, and um, a lot of the members in here uh, were very open to uh, the conversations we had. We, uh, Reverend Swinney uh, was an outstanding facilitator. We had two books that we um, looked at. One was called The Color of compromise, which was a workbook that talked about racial issues, church being complicit in, uh, in uh, racial inequities uh, in historically and up to this point. And we had another book called The, Cult, uh, the uh, Larger Memory, and The Larger Memory was about the uh, journey of uh, African Americans, Asian Americans, Hispanic Americans, Native Americans, and historically how we are all are on a journey. Uh, but we, we need to know our history, so we need to know where we are, so we need to know where we're going. And so it was like Vegas. What happened in the room stayed in the room. <laughs> Everybody was open to their perspectives. Uh, again, my role was to help with vital conversations, to talk about my, um, uh, my perspective as an African-American, uh, and to uh, uh, you know, assist with the discussions about cultural uh, competencies and to talk about cross-cultural uh, experiences that we could have and we did have some cross-cultural experiences where we had members from Arapahoe have come over to Hamilton Park to help us with a food distribution uh, you saw it on you on your announcements and Reverend Sweeney and I and I think Laura went to um, uh, what was called the Dallas uh, African hidden history of uh, hidden history of uh, African Americans in Dallas and so we wanted to open up to the fact that we need to talk about uh, issues we need, and just a quick story because you know, I, I know we don't want to sometimes talk about race, and I think that was said. But in my family, we tried that when I, my kids were small. We tried that. We said we're not going to talk about race. My kid went to school and said, told the teacher that her mother was white, <laughs> and we went to a teacher-parent conference, and the teacher looked and says, "What is this?" So we said, "Okay, that was our fault. That was our fault." <laughs> So we have to talk about it in a 
in a, in a way that makes sense and that promotes, you know, the, 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 the union and the, uh, the commitment we want in terms of reaching that journey. So uh, now that we, uh, you know that Arapahoe will be uh, pilot, uh, moving beyond the pilot stage and launching a, a more congregational-wide journey towards racial justice sometime in September, what are your hopes for uh, racial reconciliation for the conference and for this congregation and other congregations uh, for the future? Well, that's a great question and uh, maybe the $64,000 question because, uh, as I mentioned, uh, 14 years in corporate America working with uh, um, diversity and inclusion. And we had to get through that alphabet, the alphabet of R. We had to get through the resentment, the resistance, and sometimes just the refusal. Uh, so it's not done overnight. Uh, we're not expecting anybody to make the journey overnight. But it, it is a process. It is a journey. A lot of work. And there are two other R's there, Reverend Sweeney, that makes it work better. And that is um, with State Farm, they dedicated the resources. Like Arapahoe is dedicating the resources. They're putting the time, the effort into it. And the other thing was the, re the rewards. The rewards here and the rewards in the afterlife. Now, for those of you who are my age and a little older, you think about State Farm, you think about um, our advertising at one time. We went from Jack Benny to Jake. <laughs> Wasn't done overnight but a lot of hard work, a lot of effort. And that's what the church is going to have to do. We're going to have to put the time and effort into it, not being critical of who anybody is or where, where, where they are or where they stand, but just to be patient and prayerful. Thank you, Fred. <laughs> Tacking on a little to what Fred said, sometimes I feel like with racial uh, discussions and with our journey towards racial justice, we're almost on a road to Emmaus where the people are, are walking along and this man that we know as Jesus um, says, what are you talking about? And all of a sudden we have to, we have to retell the story, the journey that we have. Um, I really hope that you will watch and, and look for uh, the opportunity to participate in the full church rollout of that. I think that you'll be excited about it with some of the opportunities to get together and, and talk, but also to use our hands and feet to bring uh, justice and equity to DFW. So our third, uh, third story today comes from Laura Churchill. Laura was a member of a big church, as I will call it, coincidentally the big church that I went to for that five-year hiatus when I wasn't here. Um, and we met here uh, during the pandemic, and, and, and her journey has been uh, in person and online, but, but she has participated quite a bit in a lot of our classes and in the Journey Towards Racial Justice group. So um, everyone, uh, Laura Churchill. Thank you, Kathy, and good morning, Arapahoe. So my journey to Arapahoe began with a question. A few years ago, I began a journey where I was really concerned about the direction that the country was going and, and saw a lot of hurt. And even though I'd been in church all of my life and I loved the church, I began to wonder if I was going to continue to participate in church life. And I told a friend during that time, I'm looking for a community that's willing to live the gospel on the edge. 
Pastor Scott called this the margin last Sunday. And I was searching for a place where the gospel would be lived out loud on the edge. And that's when I saw the question, is the news giving you the blues? I really did see this question. And below it, it said it was an invitation to visit Arapahoe United Methodist Church. So my partner Cynthia and I did begin to visit Arapahoe. And on our very first Sunday here, Pastor Blair was here and she announced from the pulpit that the immigrant family that you all had prepared to host might not be able to land in this country because of new immigration limitations. And there was sitting around us a group of people that, that really had an audible reaction to that and that difficult news. And I realized that I was among Christians who really were compassionate about the stranger, about the immigrant, about a family on the other side of the world. We did learn later that the family was able to, to land in this country, so that was an answer to prayer. Cynthia and I also attended a dinner and documentary, and the topic the night we attended was homelessness. And we learned that Arapahoe works with other churches locally and meets the needs of the homeless, especially during the winter when it's cold. Then the pandemic came. And I was glad that we had church online. And as Kathy mentioned, I did participate in a number of Zoom classes. And those classes were a great opportunity to study scripture, to meet people in the church, to walk through contemporary issues together as a faith community. And it's hard to realize now, but when the pandemic started, Zoom technology was on the edge. So uh, it was new at the time. So Cynthia and I even joined the church on Zoom. And we were thrilled to join the church. But there was this one topic, one issue, that I did not think Arapahoe or any church would address, and that was the topic of racial reconciliation, racial justice. But I was wrong. As Scott shared one Sunday morning, Arapahoe would participate in the pilot program, Journey Toward Racial Justice. And I was thrilled, because previously, Cynthia and I were members of a multiracial church in this area. And although the church did not survive, those friendships certainly have. And that experience gave me an opportunity to see up close just the beauty and the glory and the power of diversity in God's kingdom. It also was a, a chance to see uh, prejudice, injustice, and some of the systemic racism that impacts those we love. So Fred and Kathy have certainly shared about the journey toward racial justice, and I encourage anyone that's interested in racial reconciliation, even learning the history of race in our country and the role of the church in racial history. It's just a great program, so I highly recommend it. So yes, the news does still give me the blues, but I'm thankful for a church community that acknowledges things that are going on, that's willing to take the gospel and work through issues with scripture and with prayer. I'm thankful to God for the questions that move us forward. Because I have found at Arapahoe a church that delivers the good news and that lives out the good news, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, 
which says to all people everywhere, whosoever will, come. Thank you, Arapahoe. Our journeys are not our own. We take them together, and we, we always have God with us. I hope that you've heard three stories and are intrigued enough to continue that faith journey that you have, to see the similarities maybe in, that, in the faith journeys that you've heard, and to continue to uh, pursue those. Uh, to continue your faith journey here at Arapahoe, but also outside the walls of Arapahoe by being God's hands and feet in the world. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, we're grateful for the journeys of the past that our ancestors have taken and the stories that are shared in your sacred word that, that, that show us that we are never alone. We're never without you, and we're always in community. Help us to be the journeyer. Help us to be the one on the journey with others. Help us to see and to participate in the world's journey as we seek out your love and feel your presence in our lives and in the life of the world. Amen. <laughs>